Public Work, a podcast where we dive into the world and work of public humanities. My name is Jim McGrath, and I'm a postdoc at the John Nicholas Brown Center for Public Humanities and Cultural Heritage at Brown University in Providence, Rhode Island. And I'm Amelia Golcheski, a second-year master's in public humanities student here at Brown. Uh, welcome to Public Work. We hope this is a place where you can learn about the interesting people and projects and questions that are currently shaping the worlds of public humanities. We hope a podcast is a convenient way to engage with some of these questions and topics. Yeah. And if you don't know what public humanities is, hopefully you might have a better sense of what it is uh, from listening to some of the episodes in our upcoming series. Uh, these are primarily interviews conducted by students in our graduate program in public humanities. We basically ask them to find interesting practitioners in a variety of fields. So we have people from museum studies, uh, practicing artists, uh, librarians, archivists, city planners, pizza delivery boys, uh, well, maybe not pizza delivery boys, although I, I'm certainly proud of their contributions to, to the world in the field, um, but maybe that's a different podcast. Um, but uh, we'll have a range of uh, different conversations and we know that people in these fields often don't have a lot of time to document what they're doing and kind of show behind the curtain how they got into this work, what the challenges are, et cetera. So we're hoping that the conversations and the, the time spent dealing with those issues here um, shed some light on those topics and demonstrates how important and challenging and rewarding this work is. Yeah, and our first episode really highlights all of that. Um, we're gonna hear from Bryn Perneau, who's a second year master's in public humanities student. And she spoke to Michael Cristiano, who is the Deputy Director for Audience Engagement and Public Practice at the Smart Museum of Art in Chicago. Actually, before she came to Brown, Bryn worked at the Smart Museum, which is a university museum at the University of Chicago. So she really enjoyed getting back in touch with a former colleague. And their conversation highlights some of the biggest um, topics in public humanities work right now, interpretation. Yes, the, the, the big word of the day, the keyword would probably be interpretation and basically how a small word like that is actually pretty complicated and changing over time. It's a very grad school thing to do, isn't it? To take a word that we, we use a lot and to, to really unravel it until um, there's nothing left. But I think there is something left here. And, and we see that a lot in the work of the Smart Museum. Um, Michael will talk a bit about their interpreter in residence program, which is an interesting space that the Smart Museum gives uh, to the role of interpretation, the lens of interpretation, uh, and the value of interpretation. So I learned a lot from this. Uh, I learned that uh, smart is is art. Maybe yeah, yeah. Learn that? You, yes, it's all in it. <laughs> yeah, sure. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, they have maybe a great I didn't logo, great graphics. Yeah, smart is art. Mm -hmm. um, but they they don't have to use that. Um, they actually didn't use that. I emailed it to them, and they they said that they're okay. Um, uh, so fortunately, Bryn was the one uh, conducting this interview. Um, but yeah, we hope you enjoy it. Yeah, enjoy the conversation and please let us know what you think. Uh, contact us via Twitter. Our Twitter is at publicworkpod. Also reach out to us via email. Our address is publicworkpodcast at gmail.com. So, hello, I'm Bryn Perneau, a current second year in the Public Humanities program at Brown University, and I'm talking today with Michael Cristiano, the Deputy Director for Audience Engagement and Public Practice at the Smart Museum of Art at the University of Chicago. I first met Michael when I was a student at the University of Chicago, and I was actually an intern 
in the education department at the Smart Museum in 2012, 2013. So I'm really excited today to talk to Michael about the Smart Museum's work and how things have kind of changed and evolved uh, since I've been there. So thanks for talking with me today, Michael. It is my pleasure. Awesome. Um, so to kind of start out, could you tell us about what the Interpreter in Residence program is? Sure. The Interpreter in Residence is a year-long program for artists and other creatives who have an interest in social engagement uh, to create, um, in some cases, participatory, but other forms of programs uh, that address issues that are both relevant to the interpreter residence practice, but are also relevant uh, to the museum. So, so we look for, for folks who are interested in pursuing questions and issues um, that are, that are kind of, uh, uh, prescient for the museum as well, so that we are, we are together exploring those issues in ways that impact both the artist's practice as well as our institutional practice. So can you tell me kind of why the decision to call it an interpreter in residence versus an artist in residence program? Yeah, so so I think the, the name was important for us to specifically mark that this this is a residency that explores the forms of meaning making um, and doesn't necessarily foreground production of of art, but it, it certainly can. Um, but it's it's primarily an opportunity for us to, to interrogate along with our our interpreters and residents how culture institutions are sites of meeting making um, and the kind of conditions that surround the construction of, of that meeting. So it's it's also I think a way for us to kind of expand our our notion of what interpretation can mean. Um, you know, I think for, for the SMART, we've been over the past several years really actively considering just exactly what interpretation is. And it's more than just the didactic labels on the wall. I mean, it, it is that, but but it's also um, interpretation in an expanded way is, is the ways by which we engage our publics in the construction of meaning, um, which could be the labels on the wall, which might also art projects, which could also be either performative or more programmatic interventions. Um, and I think we're kind of, we're, we're starting to now think about, um, to think about a form of institutional practice or a form of public practice um, as a result of, of that notion of, of just questioning what exactly interpretation is, who is doing that interpretation, and by what means. Yeah, that's the idea of public was something that I was really interested in talking with you about, especially coming from a program called Public Humanities. Um, sure. <laughs> so I was wondering if you could kind of talk about that that kind of term and who you see as part of of your publics and and how you've kind of worked to create relationships with them. Yeah, so that's a great question. I think um, um, how we how cultural institutions define define their public or define their their publics is is a really critical issue in museum work right now. It's 
thinking about how how we can pivot to remain to be as relevant as possible uh, to the to the interests of our of our diverse communities. Um, so for for and I think it's it's like the the answer to that question will vary widely depending on the context of each institution. Um, I think it's really critical that every every cultural organization considers the, the, the kind of the, um, um, the composition of, of their community to understand how they how they can be an essential site of both culture and leisure and pleasure and investigation for those people that that, that surround them and inhabit them. Um, so for, for us the SMART, um, we are here at the University of Chicago, so we think very much about our campus community as a core public of ours. And we are very much a site that, that channels the intellectual energy of our university community, both, both you know, faculty and students um, and staff. But we also sit, and we also sit here on the south side of Chicago, uh, which has an incredibly rich history of cultural production and thought. So for, for us, as we think about our publics and our public practice, uh, we want to think very intentionally about how we um, serve to engage with the cultural and intellectual interests of our campus and broader community so that our program, the program at large, both exhibition and education programs, um, are, are both contributing to and are being inflected by that breadth of, of, of creative and intellectual interest. Um, so I think you know, that, as we think about our publics, you know, we're thinking very much about about um, the place in which we live and how that impacts our work. Um, and in terms of public practice, you know, we're, we're thinking we're trying to now think a little more comprehensively about how we, as an institution, engage with the issues that are important to us in our publics um, across the breadth of our work. So. You know, it's, it's not necessarily just through an exhibition or just through a program in which we are engaging with certain issues, but we want to think more collectively how does this part as a whole engage with these issues over over uh, over the breadth of, of what we do. So, yeah, I guess what the question that's kind of coming up in my mind is the ways in which that work is sort of made ex explicit to members of the public and how it's sort of in the ways in which it's kind of a not behind the scenes conversation, but a conversation that's happening with a smart kind of with the interpreter in residence. And so when, uh, when a public is sort of hailed or like called out as like, we're doing a public program now versus the kind of more behind the scenes thinking about um, where the museum's situated and and how to define groups. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point. Um, and um, part of the interpreter, part of the function, but but part of the um, part of what the interpreter residence program helps us do is to make visible those otherwise behind the scenes conversations and and is part of what that program helps us to do is create programmatic forums in which we can have conversation about our public practice and we can have conversation with our publics about our 
already kind of shared areas of, of interest. Uh, but we can we can look at our current interpreter resident, um, Emmanuel Pratt, as as a really good and clear example of how this can work. Um, Emmanuel, we commissioned Emmanuel to to um, create our current our 2017-2018 threshold installation, which is a a large scale work of a site specific work that is created in our lobby space. Um, we think about the lobby as a kind of a threshold between the galleries of the museum and the our public space. So situating work at, at in that liminal space is important uh, to us as a way of creating conversation that extends between the museum and the public. Um, so Emmanuel created Emmanuel is both our threshold artist and we also invited him to be our interpreter in residence uh, as a way to kind of begin Again, but, but but further integrate our exhibition and program practice so the lines between those two things get a little bit blurry and ultimately they both um, they both help you instigate a conversation around the issues that are important to the artist and the institution. Uh, so to make that a little less abstract, for his uh, for his commission, um, Emmanuel and his team from the Sweetwater Foundation created a probably two-thirds scale um, uh, recreation of a house that sits um, at Perry Ave Commons, which is a space managed by Sweetwater Foundation. It's, it's about a mile and a half museum between Washington Park and Englewood. Um, and at Perry Ave Commons, Emmanuel and his team bring together urban agriculture, uh, youth development, primarily through art education and design work, um, and uh, aquaponics, all under this uh, kind of creative placemaking practice where he's very intentionally looking at the, the, the resources that are embedded in, in communities and exploring ways that you can harvest you can nurture those resources to create more equitable or just ecosystems that can sustainably feed that community. Right. So, so that work is happening at Mile and a Half Museum. The the house that he has recreated in or the facade of the house is recreated at the museum um, is a way of representing that work in the context of a museum. Um, and then kind of asking the question, how do we bridge these two spaces, the space of Periaf Commons and the space of the museum? How do we create sustained dialogue across this geography, across what is a, a historical divide um, between the university and the community adjacent to it? Um, and how do we work together to find solutions to issues that are important to us? Uh, so it seemed it seemed really clear that like uh, that Emmanuel is a perfect interpreter in residence because his installation serves as a conceptual platform for us to have very specific conversation around issues of labor, issues of health, issues of education um, that are particularly resonant on the south side of Chicago, and it creates an opportunity for us as a, a cultural institution to think about how we engage with those issues in partnership. With Emmanuel and his team, and to kind of underscore that, he created a uh, living sculpture of a bench 
in the center of our lobby, adjacent to the recreation of the house, as a way to create physical space for us to come together and get that conversation. So, so we'll we'll host a series of dinners and other programs in partnership with Sweet Water that that will each address a particular theme, whether it's work or education, um, that brings together people from our various networks who can then labor together to, to think about solutions to these issues that impact the place in which we live and do our work. The long answer, but <laughs> I hope I'm getting to what you're asking. No, that was that was wonderful. <laughs> it's like so there's so much and it's it's so rich and full of possibilities. Um so I think it's like two questions, but I'm gonna try to just do one. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I guess then how are you because that that's that example that you gave is so rich and kind of thinking about possibilities for both what's happening inside the smart museum, what's happening beyond and how those spaces are interconnected. So it seems like on one level, the very like manifestation of that project is a, is a success. Um, but I'm wondering how you kind of think about um, measuring and evaluating maybe both the success of the interpreter in residence program and also how it's sort of informing um, the museum's relationships with its publics and, and communities beyond beyond the physical space of the museum. Yeah, that's a really good question. And I, I don't have a, like a concise answer, but I think part of, part of the exciting thing to me about the interpreter residence program is that it, it creates space for us to open up questions about our practice, and there's, you know, this, there, there's a year for us to work with an artist or educator, whoever it happens to be, to, to really dig into the territory, not really knowing what's going to come out of it. Um, but I'll, you know, but I will say that at the conclusion of each uh, residency, there are most certainly. There's, there's certainly impact in, in our institutional practice, and um, you know I'll, I'll offer maybe a couple of examples. Um, one one is around Emmanuel's work. Um, what's one of the outcomes that we're starting to see? One of the specific outcomes that we're starting to see is is an um, an integration of the youth education, particularly the, the teen programming the team mentorship that he did in Sweetwater and the team programming that happens here at the Smart and beyond at other organizations at the University of Chicago. There's already um, there's already a kind of uh, a, 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 a partnership building where we're connecting our network of programs, team programs with Sweetwater's network of team programs so youth can move across sites and have additional opportunity to engage with art and culture. So it's it's like you know that is something that I, I hoped might happen, but you kind of have to let these things develop organically, um, and you have to let to, informed by uh, like the genuine ambition of each participating organization. So, so that's an example of how our two organizations are are building um, uh, a structural connection, right? Um, Another example um, that might be useful is, is um, in relationship to our 
interpreter residency program from last year, where we hosted uh, four different organizations as a collective, each of whom were thinking about issues of belonging within cultural spaces in a slightly different way. Uh, but we wanted to take the year working with that collective to consider how people belong or are excluded from cultural spaces. Um, one group that we worked with uh, was a group of teens from our from the Arts and Public Life Initiative. It's a cultural space here at the University of Chicago. Um, and that group of teens, as part of their work through Arts and Public Life that was done here at the SMART, developed a dope synth program, which they which they trademarked. They, they're, they're super proud of the dope synth title. Um, so they created a dope synth program so they could, over the course of that year, design programs um, for their peers, for their team peers. Um, at the conclusion of the year, it, it was really, it became apparent that some of the dope synths really wanted to go on and pursue deeper experiences within the arts, but had graduated in high school. So um, uh, our Magic Engagement and uh, uh, Arts Learning Jason Palace worked with those teams so he could hire them in to our docent core in a more permanent way. So, so it's it's just yeah, it's a good example of how there's these organic these organic moments where it's like how do you, how do you deepen whatever the experience was in ways that are are truly meaningful both to the museum and the, the, the artist and residents, interpreter residents. In that case, it's like well, there are, there's a handful of teens for whom this program is really meaningful, so we can create additional pathways into arts um, administration work through our docent program. Yeah, so it's kind of like it's it's there's I have like tons of those kinds of anecdotal measures of the forms of impact and how this is starting to shift some of the structures of the SMART. Um, and I imagine like that's, you know, we'll continue to kind of accentuate that type of, of impact as we go forward. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. And that's, that's a great and beautiful example. And it was, you like kind of answered my other question in, in your response was, which was kind of thinking about how, the interpreter in residence program has sort of manifested itself over time and the ways in which it's kind of, it seems like something that's happening each year and are these very specific projects, but then also feeding into kind of the lifeblood um, and work of the Smart Museum. Yeah, and I, I think it's one of the things that I am really, that, 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 that about one of the things about this, the culture of the smart that I find really refreshing is the openness um, to how a project might impact who we are and how we do our work. Right. So, so there's, there's you know at the beginning of our um, exploration of belonging, you know, we we couldn't have really anticipated that the outcome would be building a new cohort of 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 dopants, you know, who then would then uh, forever begin to inflect the experience of like of their peers and our guests through the work that they do. But like, but, but there's an institutional culture of, of of being responsive 
beautiful <laughs> that's that's great and that's yeah I think something really unique um so yeah I guess my last question for you is kind of thinking about um how how the smart museum thinks about um other institutions and where you or the museum as a whole might look um for inspiration so I guess what other places do you think are doing cool work Oh man, there's so there's a ton, there's a ton, um, and you know I don't want to just run down a list because I feel like I will inevitably leave someone out who I love. Um, but but I think like this is, it, so I'll start off by saying it's um, we it's important for us to think about what is the function of a university art museum in particular because uh, we are a distinct breed of museums. Um, and I think it's really important for us at this moment to, to also think about uh, what is the role of the University Art Museum, like the SMART at the University of Chicago on the south side of Chicago. You know, how do we understand our role in relationship to our place? That, that, that's a really pressing issue for us to, to think about, and not just think about now, but to, to continually have in our in our brains as we as we develop our programming. Um, so that that for us is, is kind of like top of mind in thinking about uh, how we envision ourselves going forward, which is particularly exciting as we welcome a new director, Ali Gass, who who has embraced that as a central tenant of of, of our of how we envision ourselves as an institution. So so like that that big question of what is it about the University Art Museum um, that can be distinct is is really important for us. You know like. How can we leverage our the, the the flexibility we have to be more experimental, um, to take greater risks in our practice that a larger civic institution might not be able to take? Um, how do we leverage the fact that we are free? We are a free resource to our many publics. You know, like it just feels like we we have because of those things and because of the like the, the zeitgeist, the cultural intellectual interest around us. Um, we are. We are in a in university art museum in, in particular, already unique place to experiment um, with with forms of public and institutional practice that that could be meaningful for us and, and we, that we can learn from, but that we also feel like you know, perhaps we can share with the field. So, so we exist in a particular way and we can share the lessons from those experiments that we're conducting. And there's a ton of people. Like the, the list of like I I have such deep respect for our colleagues on the north side of the town at the Black Museum. Who feel at, at Northwestern University? Who feel kindred and spirit in, in a lot of ways, and how we're both thinking about the function of university art museums. Um, you know, I think I love the, the Hammer um, at, at UCLA. I think they do really exciting, um, exciting programming, and, and it's just a, it's a ton of stuff. And then there's a, there's a lot of folks who are not museums that that be who whose work we we draw on to. to 
about what we're doing and with whom that we partner to to broaden the impact of the projects that we're doing. Um, for instance, there's a there's an amazing uh, community and cultural organization in the Pilsen neighborhood of Chicago called Casa Michoacan, and we are partnering with them around the, the Welcome Blanket project that we are doing, and and they're taking they're they're taking on and following the Welcome Blanket blanket as a way to extend the conversation around um, uh, issues around immigration and refugee resettlement. So it's like it's not like I think there's a there's, there's absolutely museums and university museums that we look to for inspiration, but equally I'd say there's community and cultural organizations and artists and, um, and scholars that, that we also look to uh, to inform our practice. That's great. That's wonderful. And I feel like, yeah, that, that speaks to the type of museum, the smart museum has, has kind of tried to become and think about its place within, within the University of Chicago, within the like south side of Chicago and kind of what it means to become a public institution so I really appreciate that um yeah thank you yeah (laughs) um cool so do you have I don't know is there anything that you'd like to plug or mention before we end the interview oh man I have a chance to plug something sure you're ready (laughs) (laughs) um let's see I so much happening, it's hard to know what to plug. Um, well, let, let me let me plug this. Uh, we are we are co-hosting uh, a talk with our current interpreter residents, um, Emmanuel Pratt, uh, who's going to be in conversation with uh, with Dan Borelli, who is the director of exhibitions at uh, Harvard's Graduate School of Design, uh, and together the the two. Uh, that have collaborated on this project called We the Publics, which is essentially a, a, a manifesto, a call for a 20th Amendment to guarantee equitable access to the kind of fundamental needs we have as humans. Um, and that manifesto is installed at the SMART as part of Emanuel's uh, Radical Reconstructions um, uh, Commission in, in the lobby. So they will... The two of them will be in conversation on um, Monday, Monday, November 13th. Um, the, the talk is called Shaping, uh, excuse me, Shaping Shifting Publics, and it is part of the um, Arts and Innovation series of, of talks that is co-organized by the Logan Center for the Arts and the Polsky Center for Entrepreneurship and Innovation. So I think it's going to be a really, really interesting talk. Uh, so I think if you are in the area or nearby the area or want to charter a jet, come on in. That is the talk to come here. <laughs> Wonderful. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Uh, sure. Thanks so much for taking the time to talk with me today. I really appreciate it. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for listening to Public Work. You can find us on Twitter at Public Work Pod or email us at publicworkpodcast at gmail.com. See you next time.